0: Sometimes those songs have a surprise verse in them, and I miss the cue, and so I'm sitting there waiting to see—is he going to sing another verse or not? Amen. Aren't you thankful for the goodness of God? Amen. I feel His presence in this place. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me if you have your Bible? And want you to turn with me to First Samuel chapter ten, I'm going to read two verses of Scripture from First Samuel chapter ten, verses twenty-one and twenty-two. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. Thank you so much for being faithful to the house of God on Sunday morning. Amen. I feel the presence of God here just as richly and as strongly as I felt it down at camp meeting last week. I look across here. I stood in the pulpit on a couple of different occasions during camp meeting and looked across a crowd that numbered 2,000 or so. And I look across from this pulpit today and I I see the few that are gathered here. But I have no less faith in my heart today that God will work and move in this place than I did then. Amen. I believe that God has a purpose and I believe that God has a plan. And I believe this church is here and standing in God's divine purpose. Uh, I believe revival is coming. Uh, I believe there's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost uh, that's going to be poured out in this community. I believe there's a breakthrough that's coming. Uh, and I'm thankful for those of you that are standing with me in expectancy in the house of God. Uh, believing this could be the day. This could be the service. This could be the moment when God moves in his house. Amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter 10 and verse 21 says, When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither, And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. He has hid himself among the stuff. I want to preach for a few moments this morning on this subject. Hidden among the stuff. Hidden among the stuff. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? I love you. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the power of your presence. I thank you for the Spirit of God that I feel in this house right now. And I'm asking. in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that you speak to your church, uh, that you speak to your people. Let the word of God go forth in this house. uh. Let the very oracle of God be spoken into this place, God, uh, and let it touch us, and let it change us, and let it challenge us, Lord. uh. Let us never be the same again, Lord, uh, after your word speaks in our life today. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? amen? Amen. You may be seated. If you'd forgive me this morning, I need to do the Sunday school teacher thing. I'm going to spend a few minutes just telling a story. For some of you, it will be familiar. For some of you, it may be the first time you've ever heard it. But I promise you, I have a point that I need to deliver from the throne of God. Amen? So Saul first appears to us in Scripture in 1 Samuel Chapter Nine, and there we're introduced to him as the son of a man named Kish, and we are informed that he's a handsome young man. He is a a man who literally stood head and shoulders above his peers. Uh, he's an attractive. He's a, he he's a, he's a strong young man. He's a he's a stately young man. He is a young man who is a natural born leader, and and the story begins when some of his dad's donkeys. Wander off and get lost. And Kish calls his son Saul to him and he says, I want you to take one of my servants uh, and I want you and the servant to go and search for the donkey. So off they went. uh, Saul and this random servant that he's chosen from his father's household. uh, And they searched high and low for the donkeys. They went into the hill country of Ephraim, the Bible says, uh, around a town called Shalisha, and they could not find the donkeys there. Uh, And so then they went over to a town called Shalem, but they had no luck there. Uh, And when they were finished in Shalem, they made their journey to a town called Jabin, uh, and they searched all through Jabin, uh, but they could not find the donkeys there. Uh, And by the time they got there, To the next city, a a town called Zuff. Uh, They had been searching for those donkeys uh, for three long days and had not yet found them. So Saul thinking, beginning to realize and recognize uh, I'm running all over the country looking for these donkeys and by now, dad's probably worried about me, amen? He's probably reached the place uh, where he's no longer worried about the donkeys. Uh, he's probably come to the place uh, where now he's worrying what's happened to me. So it, it's time to call off the search. Uh, it's time to get, throw in the towel. Uh, it's time to go home uh, and let dad know that we're all right. Uh, and so he tells Tells the young man that's with him, the servant, I I think it's time to give up. I I think it's time to go home. But that's the point where the story starts to turn. The young man, that servant that was randomly selected by Saul, speaks up and says, hang on. Now, now, let's, let's not get too hasty here. Let's not give up just yet. You see, I have heard that there's a holy man. There's a prophet that lives somewhere around here, uh, and I just believe that maybe if we could find the prophet uh, and ask him where the donkey, I heard uh, that everything he says uh, comes to pass. Uh, I've heard that every word he issues, uh, amen, comes to pass. Uh, And I just wonder if maybe we could find our way to the prophet of God uh, and let's ask him where the donkeys are. They haggle about it for a few moments because at the beginning Saul balks at the idea. Because he said, "Man, we, we we left the house, and we had some we had some things to sustain us on our journey. We had a little bread, uh, we had a little juice to drink, uh, we had we had a little bit of substance. Uh, but here we are, three days in. Uh, my clothes are dirty. I'm not in any shape to appear before a man of God. Uh, amen. my 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 sustenance is all used up. Uh, I don't have any bread to offer him. Uh, I don't have any drink to offer him. Uh, I don't have anything to bring. Uh, amen. Even Saul." Uh, recognize uh, when I come to the house of God uh, I bring something with me amen Uh, I don't necessarily bring the best of the best uh, but I bring the best that I've got uh, amen I come into his presence uh, and I bring him an offering uh, I come into his presence uh, and I bring him my praise uh, I I put on my best amen Uh, it may not be the most expensive uh, it may not be the the, the nicest thing in the world I may not be able to afford uh, the riches uh, but when I come before the king uh, I dress my myself up, uh, and I get myself in the right place, uh, amen, I don't just come dragging myself uh, into his presence in a casual manner, but the servant, he, he argues with Saul, and he tells him, you know, Saul brings up that whole bit about, I don't have anything to give the servant, or give to, to the prophet, and the servant says, wait a minute, hey, I happen to have a silver coin in my pocket, Now, where does a servant get a silver coin? But the servant said, I just so happen to have something uh, you can give to the prophet. Let's go ask the prophet. See, what we have unfolding here seems to be a series of coincidences. The donkeys have wandered off. Saul was told to go find them. He selected uh, a random servant uh, from the household of his father, uh, and he just so happened to pick the servant uh, that knows about the man of God uh, and knows just about where uh, the man of God lives, uh, somewhere around here. Uh, and he even happens to pick the servant, uh, the only one probably in the bunch, uh, who has a silver coin uh, in his pocket to give to the man of God. Saul has absolutely no idea that he's walking into a divine appointment. I come to tell somebody in this house uh, on a Sunday morning, God orchestrates your life. I said God's in charge uh, of your days. Uh, he's right in the middle uh, of the minutiae of day-to-day living. Uh, he has a divine plan for you. Uh, he's given you an anointing. Uh, he has a purpose for your life. Uh, and even when you think your life is in a grip uh, of completely random circumstances, uh, even when you think things are unfolding uh, in a completely random way, I can promise you something. Uh, God orders the footsteps uh, of a righteous man. Uh, and in the normal circumstances, circumstances, circumstances of day-to-day living, God is right there in the middle of it all. Amen? Watch as they head into the town and they ask where the prophet lives. And the young lady on the street tells them that just by chance, today is the day that the prophet is going to offer sacrifice in the town and that he's just ahead of them. He's just entered in to the gates of that city. Uh, they don't have to go find where he lives. Uh, if just going to town, you just go into town, you'll find him there, but you better hurry huh, because he's getting ready to offer sacrifice. Uh, so they hurry into the town. Uh, and when they walk into the town, guess who just so happens uh, to be walking straight down the street towards them. Uh, you see, they don't know it yet. Uh, but Samuel is looking for them. Let me take you to 1 Samuel chapter 9, and verse 15. From the King James, this is the telling of the story. Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he he saved my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. So God's already talked to the prophet about Saul. But Saul has absolutely no idea what has happened. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even know what the prophet looks like. uh, So he walks right up to the man of God uh, and asks him, uh, pardon me, uh, I don't mean to stop you on your way. You look like you're in a hurry. uh, But if you could give me just a moment. uh, Do you know where the prophet is? Imagine his surprise when Samuel says to him, I am the prophet. I am the man that you seek. Come with me. Come eat dinner with me. Come home with me. And in the morning, I'll tell you the things that are on your mind. Now, right then, Saul must have been thinking, I can't wait for morning. First of all, the donkeys are lost. Second of all, dad's probably worried about me. Third, I've been gone for three days. If I stay, another, it's going to be four days, another couple days journey home. Even by the time I get home, my dad's going to be beside himself. I I, I can't afford to wait right here. I I can't afford, I'm in a hurry. I I got business to take care of. I got things I need to do. Saul has to be kind of reluctant to answer. And say, yeah, I'll I'll stay with you. But the man of God doesn't even stop. He just keeps right on going. He says, don't worry about the donkeys. They've already been found. You've been looking for them for three days, the prophet said. But the donkeys have already been found. By now Saul has to be scratching his head because he hasn't told the prophet yet what he's looking for. And he certainly hasn't told the prophet how long he's been looking But somehow the prophet knows. And so to make a long story short or shorter, Saul and his servant go home with the prophet. They spend the night at the home of the prophet. And in the morning, Samuel said to Saul, Tell your servant to go on ahead of us. You'll catch up with him down the road. I have a word from God for your life. So when they were alone, the prophet pulled out his anointing oil and he poured the oil over the head of Saul, and he anointed him there to be king over all of Israel. It was a king's anointing. It was poured out in secret. It was poured out with nobody else watching. There's nobody that knows what's happening but Saul and Samuel. Amen. Saul never sought a king's anointing. All he was looking for was a donkey. Saul never sought the leadership of the kingdom of Israel. All he wanted to do was be at home in his father's house. Uh, He was the least among the least. Uh, Amen. He didn't esteem himself highly. We tend to look at Saul through the lens of uh, what we know about him later in his life Uh, and we see Saul uh, as an arrogant man Uh, and we see Saul as a man puffed up in pride Uh, and as a man who's allowed the kingdom uh, and the position that God put him in come to his heart. But I'm here to tell you in the beginning God chose a man uh, with a right spirit, Uh, a man with a right heart, Uh, a man who is humble Uh, and a man who never sought the position that God put him in. Amen. And so, with the king's anointing poured out on his life, Saul begins to recognize that God has a greater purpose for him than he has ever imagined. God 's calling, some of you know what that feels like, amen. You came into a church one night, and you never had any any passion in life. you never had any 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 idea that you were going to go into anything that had to do with ministry. you didn't have any idea that you were going to ever get involved in anything. I know whenever I came to church that night I'd made up my mind I'd promised my lovely bride there's no way I'm ever going to stand behind a pulpit there's no way I'm ever going to be a pastor of a church I don't want anything to do with that I seen my dad burned. I seen my mom hurt. I seen the other side of ministry. And I don't want anything to do with it. But God stepped into your life. And God began to rearrange your priorities. And He poured out on you an anointing that you never asked for. He poured out on you an anointing that you never sought. He gave you a calling that would compel you to places you never thought you'd go. Now, Samuel knows. That all of this is new and unexpected for Saul. And he knows that the moment that Saul leaves his presence, doubt is going to set in. And the enemy is going to try to take away from Saul what God is doing in his life. And so Samuel, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, begins to tell Saul everything that's going to happen to him on his journey home. He said, You're going to leave this place. And as you get close to home, you're going to meet two men near Rachel's tomb. That's pretty specific. Not three men, not one man. You're going to meet two men. And and they're not just going to be anywhere along the road. They're going to be by Rachel's tomb. Uh, And when those two men meet you in Rachel's tomb, this is what they're going to say to you. They're going to say to you, the donkeys have been found, uh, but now your dad uh, is worried about you. And when you get there uh, and you meet those two men uh, and you hear those, Words, you're going to know how this is God working in your life. Amen. He said, But when you leave there, you're going to meet three men at the oaks of Tabor. And those three men are going to tell you that they're headed up to Bethel to worship God. And then they told him, Whenever you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, those three men are going to be carrying with them. They're going to have loaves of bread and something to drink and, all, and an offering, a sacrifice. And, and they're going to have these things with them. Huh? And one of them is going to give you two loaves of bread. You know, the minutia of the details. Not just you're going to bump into some folks along the way, but them folks are going to be going here. They're going to be carrying this, and they're going to give you exactly what they're going to give you, two loaves of bread. And then he said, when you leave there, when you get to Gibeah, Gibeah is where the Philistine garrison is. And there you're going to meet a bunch of prophets. And they're going to be playing music and they're going to be prophesying. And the Spirit of God is going to come over you right there. And you're going to begin to prophesy along with them. Remember, this isn't a prophet. This isn't even the son of a prophet. This is just Saul. This is just the young lad sent out to find his daddy's donkeys. Amen. But whenever you come into that place, the power of God is going to move on you. The spirit of God is going to overshadow you. And you're going to operate in the gift of the prophecy right along with him. And then he told him, when you leave that place... God is going to give you a new heart, and he's going to make you a new person. And when all of that happens, you'll know that what I'm telling you is true. God has a call. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. When you finally get to the place that you recognize that, I want you to go home and wait seven days. And I'll be along on the seventh day to tell you what happens next. Don't you love how God always follows this great moment of inspiration and calling with a command to wait? You ever been there? Am I the only one that's ever been there? God said, I'm going to give you revival in Lake City. I'm going to tell you before I ever walked through the door of that church house, God said, I'm going to give you revival in Lake City. And here I am still waiting. Uh, amen. Before we ever moved into this building, uh, the Holy Ghost moved upon me uh, and said, this building isn't big enough uh, for the harvest I'm going to give you. Uh, and here I am waiting. Uh, amen. Before we ever walked into this place, uh, amen, the Lord told us, uh, "We're gonna. I'm going to multiply. Uh, you're going to reap uh, from fields you haven't planted. Uh, Amen. In unlikely places, uh, you're going to see a harvest. Uh, you're going to see a revival before we ever got here. Uh, God spoke to Brother Henderson many, many years ago, and only he and, brother, he and God know what God spoke into his heart. Uh, but the things that God spoke into his heart, God hasn't forgotten. Come on. But here he says, wait. It's in the waiting where we get in trouble. In the passion, the fervency of the service where God calls us, in that place where the anointing of God falls upon us, it's unshakable. It's un- There's no doubt that can creep in. You know that you know that you know that you know. God set you apart. God sanctified you. God called you to a holy purpose. Uh, Your life matters more uh, than this world that's around you. You're living for something uh, beyond what you can see, uh, beyond what you can quantify, beyond what you can understand. But then he says, wait. So Saul, he goes home and everything happens just like the man of God said it would happen. And so i recognize this thing is real. I've got a king's anointing. Now, understand, he doesn't have a throne yet. The process isn't finished yet. He hasn't even been made officially the king yet. But he has a king's anointing on his life. He has been selected by God, God has laid his hand upon him. God has called him. God has anointed him. And God has confirmed his word in a way that only God can. So Saul doesn't tell anybody what's happened. He doesn't tell anybody the story of what has transpired. And it's seven days later when Samuel comes to town. There's only two people that know why Samuel's there. Samuel and Saul Samuel calls a solemn assembly of the people and with representatives of every tribe present he begins to tell them this day, God will make his choice of a king known to the whole nation. God's going to choose a man. And he's going to let everybody know who that man is. Uh, and he begins by casting lots among the 12 tribes of Israel. And eventually, the lot falls uh, on the tribe of Benjamin, uh, the least among them all. Uh, then he begins to cast lots among the various households uh, of Benjamin until finally the household of Saul uh, is chosen. Uh, and then he begins to cast lots among Saul's household uh, and continually narrowing narrowing it down uh, until finally the lot appears, uh, amen, Then in just a few moments uh, Saul is going to be chosen. And while all of this is going on, nobody knows what's happening but Saul. It's a great surprise to everybody in the place when the lot fell on the tribe of Benjamin, the least among them all. It's a great surprise to everybody present, Uh, amen, whenever the the, the particular family is chosen, Uh, amen. But it was no surprise for Saul uh, because he had the foreknowledge uh, God has chosen him. Uh, He knew he had anointing. Uh, He knew he had a confirmed word of God in his life. He knew he had a purpose. Uh, And he alone, apart from the man of God, uh, knew what the outcome was going to be before it ever happened. But as the lot began to narrow its way down to Saul, Saul went and hid himself from the people so that when the final lot was thrown and Saul was revealed to be the man, he was nowhere to be found. That even took the prophet by surprise. Even Samuel, who knows all that's supposed to happen here, goes back to god says is he not here i mean i know i told him i know i told him exactly what was going to happen i know you confirmed your word to him uh, all day long on his way home i I know there have been signs and wonders uh, and i know he's felt your presence uh, and i know he knows the call is real but where in the world could he be in verse 22 of first samuel chapter 10 our text Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered and said, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. There he is with a king's anointing, hiding among the stuff. God's already laid his hand on him. God's already called him. God's already anointed him for his purpose. But when the time comes to step up and follow God, he can't be found because he's too busy hiding among the stuff. I have a simple word from this church today from the throne of God. I'm talking not just to one or two. I'm talking to everybody under the sound of my voice right now wants to use you god has a calling for your life god has a purpose and a plan for you you are walking in a specifically divinely ordained of God. You were made for this moment. Uh, God has anointed you for this place. You're not here by accident. Uh, you're not here by chance. Uh, you're not here by choice. Uh, God has chosen you to be an instrument that he will use uh, and he's trying to get your attention uh, but he can't bring it to pass uh, because you've hidden your potential uh, among the stuff in your life. Amen. Listen to me. Your anointing And the divine purpose that God has for your life has been subordinated to mere stuff. What stuff? The word is nonspecific. It's the everyday, normal clutter of life. What I'm trying to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday morning is that God is trying to use you He wants to lay his hands upon you. He wants to bring his will to pass in your life. But you've hidden yourself among the normal, everyday clutter of your life. Uh, You've hidden yourself among the entertainment in your life. Uh, You've hidden yourself among the trivial things in your life. Uh, You buried yourself in hobbies uh, and pursuits. Uh, Amen. You don't have time to pray, uh, but you have time to engage in media. Uh, You don't have time to seek the face of God, uh, but you got time to pursue all kinds of hobbies. Uh, You don't have time to to come before Him uh, and seek His presence uh, and an morning in your life, uh, but you've got time for all kinds of meaningless things. Uh, Eternal things uh, are being subordinated uh, to fleeting moments uh, of meaningless stuff in your life. God is looking for you. God is calling you out. God is saying, this is the moment. Uh, This is the place. Uh, This is the time. Uh, I want to bring my will to pass uh, in your life, but you're busy hiding among the stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing inherently immoral about stuff. It's just stuff after all. But when you get so lost in the stuff that you no longer realize your purpose in the kingdom of God, there's a problem with your stuff. When you get so lost in the stuff that you can't hear from God, There's a problem with the stuff. Uh, Come on, somebody, when the stuff uh, takes the place of God's calling for your life, Uh, when the stuff hinders you from praying, Uh, when the stuff uh, keeps you from reading your Bible, Uh, when you're more in tune with the stuff uh, than you are with what God is calling you to do, Uh, what God is asking you to do, what God is trying to bring to pass in your life, there's a problem with the stuff. The stuff seems important to us. The stuff seems to matter. The stuff seems so critical. But at the end of the day, it's just stuff. And what God is trying to do in your life, the victory that he's trying to give you, the blessing he wants to pour out on you, is being choked out by stuff. It's going to be the epitaph, I'm afraid, of many in this generation he or she had a king's anointing but the will of God was never accomplished in their life because they got lost among the stuff he was called the greater things but he never saw it come to pass because he got so captivated by the stuff She was (laughs)
1: called.
0: There were foundations that should have been shaken in prayer. There were walls that should have come down. There were kingdoms that should have fallen. There was a glory that should have been poured out. There was an anointing that was never realized. There was a revival that never came to pass. There was a call of God that went unfulfilled because he or she was hidden in the stuff. Hallelujah. I want you to ask yourself a question. Actually, I want you to ask yourself several questions and I want you to be completely honest with yourself You don't have to tell me the answer You don't have to tell the person sitting beside you. You don't have to admit the answer to anybody But when was the last time You prayed for an hour uninterrupted no phone How about the last time you prayed an hour all day long even if it came in various fragments and pieces. When was the last time you prayed for 30 minutes uninterrupted in the presence of God? How about more than 15 minutes? Let me ask it another way. What does your prayer life look like compared to your screen time? How much time do you waste on entertainment? compared to the time you spend with god well you know that's just the generation that's just that's just the age we live in that's just that's just the way to, it's really just background noise your walk with god is hidden because of the stuff the calling god wants to bring to pass in your life can't come to fruition because of the stuff the anointing that God has poured out upon you is hindered because of the stuff. For some of you, that calling has become so hidden in the stuff that you can't even find it anymore. What about fasting? When was the last time you fasted all day long on your own without the pastor calling the church to fasting? When was the last time you fasted more than a day? Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is that God has a calling for your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose for where you are right now. Listen, there's no no timeouts in this thing. Amen. There's no moment in your life. Every moment in your life is made by God. He knows right where you are. You keep saying, well, when I get there and when I get here and when I arrive at that place, and God said, I want to use you right where you are right now. I'm not waiting for you to get there. I'm not waiting for that to come to pass. I'm trying to get your attention right now. I'm trying to get your attention right here. You need to clear out the stuff in your life and make room for God. You need to clear out the stuff in your life. You need to make a hole in your life and make room for the anointing of God to be poured out on you Amen. He wants to do things in your life uh, that he can't get done uh, because all you're giving him uh, are the fragments that are left over after your stuff consumes you. And God wants more than your pieces. He wants you. He wants all of you. When you're too busy to pray, you've got too much stuff in your life. It's not that you can't have stuff in your life. Listen, don't, don't get me wrong. It's not that you can't have stuff. It's that your stuff should always be secondary to his will and his purpose, and his calling, and his anointing in your life. And when you don't have time to fast, uh, you've got too much stuff. uh. When you don't have time to pray, you've got too much stuff. uh. When you don't have time to seek his face, uh, you've got too much stuff. When it's a burden to come to church, uh, you've got too much stuff going on. uh. Amen. When you can't find your way to the house of God, uh, there's too much stuff in your life. You're putting eternal things on hold temporary fleeting meaningless moments in this life God wants to pour out rivers of living water and we're busy eating the ashes of this world You need to understand what I'm saying. I'm not here to chastise you. I'm not here to beat you up. I know it sounds a little hard. I know it got really quiet in here. Amen. But I'm here to tell somebody a message you may not want to hear. Your stuff has got such a hold on you. Amen. That it's choking out what God wants to do in your life. It's just stuff. But heaven is eternal. Heaven is forever. God's purpose and God's plan and God's will, those things are going to last forever and the stuff well there will be a new update new operating system and the old stuff is going to pass away and new stuff is going to come along and in 10 years you won't even remember the stuff but God's calling you to a greater purpose the calling he's placed on your life is eternal the plan that he has for you it's eternal but we're so consumed with the temporal that we can't get to the eternal let me tell you what i've heard from god over the last several weeks i've laid my face in this place and i prayed for revival and i prayed for breakthrough and i prayed that god would do a fresh thing a fresh work a new thing and this is what i've heard from the heaven amen the revival that we long for will never come without a fresh sacrifice on the altar. As long as your altar is buried among the clutter of your stuff, revival will not come. There are two reasons for that. First of all, fresh anointing only follows fresh sacrifice. You want a fresh anointing of God in your life? You've got to build an altar and lay a sacrifice on it. That hasn't changed. Uh, amen. From the beginning of the word of God to the end of the word of God. You want a, you want a fresh anointing? you got to lay a sacrifice on an altar. Uh, amen. You want a fresh anointing? Uh, you got to spend some time in his presence. You want a fresh anointing? you got to sanctify a moment in your day and say, This belongs to you, God. Amen. And as long as you're willing to press on without it. It won't happen. You can't turn your world upside down on yesterday's anointing. You can't turn your world upside down on the basis of what God called you to do a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. You need a fresh anointing of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the anointing of God in your life. Secondly, he said, Brother Dennis, put that scripture up on, this, on the screen. He said this. No flesh should ever glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. I'm going to tell you something. God wants to do a work in your life that only he will get the glory for. And As well as you, as long as you're willing to go it alone, uh, as long as you're willing to do it by yourself without prayer and without fasting and without the anointing of God, uh, God will withhold his blessing uh, because no flesh uh, is ever going to get the glory for what God's going to do. Uh, we can walk in here. All, we can have the most perfect service schedule. Uh, we can have the most perfect uh, singing and harmonizing. We can have us uh, at the door and we can have all the, the lights just right and we have everything in place uh, but if we don't pray and we don't fast God doesn't pour out his glory because we're not going to get the credit for what God's going to do Amen. if you can't fight your way past the stuff long enough to shut yourself away with him he will not pour out his spirit it's human pride and arrogance The things we can manufacture a move of God without spending time in prayer and fasting. From the pastor to the sound man. And everything in between. You should never walk into the house of God and presume to facilitate a move of God if you haven't prayed. Everybody. You need to hear what I'm saying. You can't lead others somewhere you haven't been yourself. Uh, You can't take others uh, into the presence of God uh, if you haven't stood there yourself. And it's arrogance and pride that says I can do that without praying. That applies right here to the man standing behind this desk uh, and to everybody else in this house. Can I get an amen? amen? God wants to use you. God wants to pour his anointing out on you. God wants to pour. Listen, God wants there to be revival in this house. God wants. There ought to never be a Sunday that somebody doesn't pray through to the baptism of, of the Holy Ghost. There ought to never be a Sunday that we don't stir those waters out in that baptistry in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the will of God. But God cannot do what we will not let him do. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, Listen, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. God resisteth the proud. Do you hear that? It's not just that God won't bless that arrogant human pride that tries to carry home without his assistance. God will actively resist that spirit. Sometimes when we think we're fighting hell, we're actually struggling against the resistance of God because we're trying to go it on our own. Sometimes when we, we're giving the devil credit, uh, amen, because of the, uh, the stumbling block that seems to be in our way, but God said, I'll resist that proud spirit. Uh, I'll resist that arrogant spirit uh, that thinks you can do it on your own, uh, and you're shaking your head, uh, and I'm, I'm lifting my voice to heaven, uh, and I'm wondering, God, uh, why is there so much resistance? Uh, God, why are there so many obstacles? God, why are we having to push through so hard, and God saying, if my people, uh, which are called by my name, uh, will humble themselves and pray uh, and seek my face uh, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God will give grace to those who humble themselves in this presence. You know why your flesh doesn't like to pray? Because you've got to humble yourself before God. Your flesh doesn't like to pray because it thinks it can conceal things from God. Your flesh doesn't like to pray because you think you can keep things in your mind and in your heart that God doesn't know about. But when you get down at an altar and you begin to pray, you got to lay everything open before Him. And you begin to realize, my God, He's sovereign. He's Lord over all. He knows He knows what I'm thinking. He sees me when nobody else sees me. He knows me for who I am. And he claims all of me. And prayer takes you to the place where you've got to submit and your flesh doesn't want to go there. Amen. But God can't pour out His anointing uh, unless you're willing to go there. Amen. Those who humble themselves uh, in His presence, uh, He gives them grace. Uh, those who recognize uh, how much they really need Him, uh, He gives them grace. Uh, those that are willing to say, I, I need you,
1: Jesus. <laughs>
0: I couldn't imagine preaching without preparing. It's more dangerous to preach without praying than it is to preach without preparing. And it's just as dangerous to play without preparing, to sing without preparing, to teach Sunday school without preparing. By preparing, I mean praying. My lovely assistant, God put her in my life because he understands he's going to give me visions, and <sighs> I'm going to want to step into them right now, and I need somebody to grab my tote coat teller down there and say, God's saying, wait, God you just don't know, but he's looking for somebody that will say." Uh, if I don't listen, I want the praise band to practice, but I want you to pray. I want the singers to practice, but I want you to pray. I want Sunday school teachers to get their rooms looking nice, but I, if you got to sacrifice prayer to do that, I don't want it. I want you to pray because until we pray, we can't have a move of God. Come on. This is what God said to me, and this hurts, but it's the truth. Your altar isn't big enough for the anointing I want to pour out think about it church because when I stand in his presence I stand for this church your altar isn't big enough for the blessing you're asking me to pour out think about it God's saying if you will I will if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves uh, and seek my face uh, and turn from their wicked ways uh, (laughs) somewhere along the way we're going to have to recognize uh, that prayerlessness is wickedness somewhere along the way we're going to have to recognize uh, that going it on my own without fasting and without reading my bible and without talking to him is wickedness You know, oh, Brother McCall, I don't sin. I go to church. I I pay my tithes. I I, I do all that stuff. Amen. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. I'm going to stop because I feel the press of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me? I I don't have the time to tell the rest of Saul's story. Let me give you the cliff notes version. As soon as Samuel gets Saul out from among the stuff, there's an enemy that comes in and begins to terrorize the people you guys can come. And with the anointing of God resting on his life, Saul raises up an army. And he comes against that enemy. And God gives him a great and tremendous victory. And in the wake of that victory, with the approval of the whole nation, Samuel installs Saul as the king of Israel. But Before that could happen, he had to get past the stuff and submit himself to God. I wish I could tell you that was the end of the story. But it's not. Somewhere along the way, Saul's life took a wrong turn. Why? Because the stuff undid him. You read the story of Saul, it was his jealousy, it was his preoccupation with himself it was his preoccupation when, when he, could, he needed the victory so bad that he couldn't wait for God to show up he had to go at himself listen he's waiting on a man of God to show up and lay an altar lay a sacrifice on the altar before they go up against the enemy and while he's waiting on God some carnal people start leaving him and he gets so concerned about those carnal people that are leaving that he can't wait for God It's the stuff that undoes the king. It's the stuff. The darkest moment in Saul's life finds him kneeling before the witch of Endor. Having called the prophet Samuel from the grave. (sighs) And that old man of God looks at him and says, why have you bothered me? You've been so caught up in this stuff in your life for so long, you didn't care about me while I was alive. Why have you bothered me now? God has snatched the kingdom from you. And he's given it to another God has found himself a man after his own heart, and he's going to pour out his anointing there. Amen. Let me tell you what makes David different. David's got stuff, too. As a matter of fact, David's got issues. Uh, Amen. But David, uh, by by saying that he's a man after God's heart, I firmly believe this doesn't mean he has a heart like God. Uh, I believe this means he has a heart that chases God. Uh, He has a heart that pursues God. Uh, Amen. I'm going to tell you something. God can use you with your inconsistencies. Uh, God can use you with all of your problems. uh, and all of your stuff, uh, if you'll get a heart that will chase Him, you'll get a heart that will seek His presence. God's calling us to get past the stuff in our life. I want to ask you a question. What would happen if you pledged to me today that every day you'll turn off your phone for at least 15 minutes for uninterrupted prayer. What could God do? What could God do with 15 minutes of your undivided attention seeking His face? What about 30 minutes? What if you turned off your phone for 30 minutes every day?
1: God's calling
0: us. God's calling us. God's calling us. us. You've heard it said you can't get there from here. Now we all know you can get anywhere from here. But they say you can't get there from here. I'm here to tell you, God's got a plan for your life, but you can't get there from where you are. God's got a calling for this church. God's got an anointing he wants to pour out. God's got a revival he wants to bring to pass. There will be a church in Lake City, and it will be triumphant, and it will be victorious, and it will be a revival church. Amen. God has spoken things that will not die. Amen. The man he spoke them to may be in a grave, but God has spoken things that will not die. He has a plan. He has a calling, and he has a purpose, and he's calling you. Uh, and He's calling me uh, to do what it takes uh, to see that purpose come to pass. His word will not return to Him void and His promise still stands. Revival is coming but we can't get there as long as we're hidden among the stuff that we can't get there as long as your potential is consumed by the stuff. It's time to let God be God. We have come as far as we can come at our current level of sacrifice. We have come as far as we can come with the altar that we have right now. But God is saying... If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. I wonder if there's somebody in this place
1: today that'd be willing to step out from among the
0: stuff. Listen, this world is vying for your mind because it knows the power of God in your mind. Amen. Keep you occupied with every random thing it can. Watching videos, you don't you don't know anything. You only know the people you're just streaming through a scroll on your phone and it's never ending and it never stops. And God is vying for your mind because God recognizes if he can just get in there, if he can just have a few moments with you. Amen. If he can just sanctify that space, he wants to use you for a mighty purpose in his kingdom it's time to get out of the stuff you need to sanctify some space in your life and I'm here to admonish you don't make such a huge commitment that you can't keep it you notice I didn't say an hour of prayer I, I think you ought to have an hour of prayer but I'm not asking you to make a commitment you can't keep You need to sanctify some space in your life. You need to say to God every single day, come hell or high water, rain or shine, whatever's going on in my life, every single day, I will seek you early in the morning. I'll seek your face." late in the evening whenever it is I will make a place God I will build an altar I will make a place God where you can pour out your glory why don't you lift your voice to him right now it's time to pray it's time to pray come on somebody commit to him sanctify us Lord Lord sanctify us Lord set us apart (laughs) create some holy spaces in our life create some holy sacred places that are yours and yours alone in the name of Jesus why don't you call out to him this morning